Hello and welcome to my video podcast series. My name is Dinesh Guarda and uh, I'm here for a new, very interesting interview. And normally I'm in this podcast and series, we talk about ideas, the biggest challenge that humanity is facing, different industries, different questions, different challenges. How can we especially think bigger, out of the box and make the world a better place? Um, we are facing a lot of challenges worldwide right now, um, but I think there's a lot of good things happening. So we want to highlight thought leaders, influencers, experts, and inspiring people shaping and creating new narratives, solutions, and as well, the devil of the details of how to change and making things a bit better. These podcasts and videos are part of the platform citiesabc.com, a new wiki for AR platform that is focused on cities, citizens, and all of us from society, from business, from universities, and as well the change makers that are changing the world and making it a more advanced place. So today we have someone uh, that uh, I'm actually very excited to profile and interview, Shailendra Singh. And I want to start before talking about him by two quotes that I found from him that I really like. Uh, one is a quote that is, I think, very important for our days, is everything divides, only love unites. Uh, that's the first quote. And the second quote, uh, it's more related with this industry, the film industry, that as well, Bollywood, which I have a huge passion, is that the walls of Bollywood are thick and high. I want to use my 25 years of experience in the industry to launch a mirror to Bollywood, a parallel Indian cinema universe, where I can help young people to climb those walls. So that's actually beautiful quotes and powerful. And I want to talk a bit about the, the profile of Shailendra Singh, which is quite impressive. So one of the most powerful men in Bollywood, I uh, was ranked 12 uh, in one of the lists, um, over to 28 years in terms of producing and filming and as well doing a lot of business in different areas. have been produced over 72 full-length feature films and as well, uh, a very active writer with books that are bestsellers and as well someone that creates, writes and directs most of the viewed short films in India and as well a best-selling author with his book um, F Knows, <laughs> I'll try not to use the rest, <laughs> which I think is a great title, that is a cute, so the, um, and it was a, a very uh, high-profile book and actually very interesting for our days and as well um, um, someone that is very um, involved in a lot of different industries, a lot of uh, profiles and, and pushing things forward between the film industry, the digital and the media, but as well uh, in a lot of areas like, sp uh, like sports and cricket, football and boxing and a lot of other things. And as well, um, behind films, um, Chilindra is known as well as the Inceptor of Sunburn, Asia's largest dance music festival and guest list for good, which broke records for live events and charity. And is as well the Asia's largest music promoter and the only Indian ever to be ranked in the 50 most powerful people in EDM. So that's quite an achievement. I could go probably for <laughs> one hour, but uh, I'm looking forward to talk with you. So um, welcome to our podcast, first of all, Shailendra. Thank you for having me. It's a huge honor and I'm actually quite excited because I think um, 
India is like a mystery that everyone knows, but very few people know really how to go through True. the layers. It's like going through the Alibaba cave and <laughs> finding the, the mysteries. And you have to go through all the different rituals. So I want to start with uh, your background. I think someone like you that, uh, that build a massive track record and profile, and as well someone that has been touching the most premium things of film, uh, music, and a lot of other things, and as well an author. Um, What's your background? How did you become the Shailandra successful business and, and producer and creator? But as well, I'm sure there's a story behind it. And that's the most fascinating thing about people is the stories, the details. How did you become who you are? And as well, especially in India, that in the last 40 years uh, went from being a former colony of the UK to be right now in the next decade the second biggest economy in the planet, passing actually the United States by 2050. So I'm actually very excited and I'm actually a huge fan of India. So if you could uh, let us that uh, overview about your story and the beginnings of your story. I always say that if you really want to know yourself or if you want anybody else to know you uh, in, in the true essence of who you are, you need to go back to your roots. And I think if I go back on my roots, the only one person that I truly believe that uh, you know, designed and, and curated my DNA, it was my father. He was my sole inspiration uh, for who I am today. And uh, he has a pretty rags to riches story uh, coming from a very small village with no transportation, no lights and walking 16 miles a day to get himself educated and then becoming India's most celebrated sugar technologist. Uh, and because of his success, we were able to leave the village and travel all over India uh, initially. And then subsequently he was also de designated to set up sugar industries all over the world, which is Nairobi and uh, East Africa and other, other places uh, in the world. Uh, uh, so I, I saw his discipline and he somehow in life, the way he spoke, he was a phenomenal orator. He became my mentor, my guru, my father and my best friend. He was also my best buddy. And uh, therefore everything I feel that uh, I have within me uh, comes from, uh, from him in, in, in many ways. But having said that, uh, I, my own qualification, obviously I was not as educated as him because I just hated education since childhood. All I wanted to do, to do was to play cricket for my country. Uh, and in those days, I mean, cricket was not a profession. Now it is with IPL and everything. At that time, cricket was a hobby. And so my father used to tell me, hey, you can play, but you got to go to college. And, and after you're playing, you got to go and get some work experience in the evening. It was like, I didn't know what to do. Uh, what was I going to do with my life? And in that journey, uh, one thing I surely realized very early in life that we didn't, as a family, we didn't have money. Uh, and uh, we were traveling in small cities of India and then or through to a national calamity that took place in one of our small factories. When my father was a general manager, we were transported in trucks late at night into Mumbai. That's when I came to the city of dreams, which is our business capital and as well as the entertainment capital of India. Uh, so coming to Mumbai was completely not designed, but by default. And, and what I experienced uh, gave me a single qualification, which is open-mindedness and good reflexes. So I'm an opportunist and I'm an expressionist. Uh, so I don't have any qualifications, but my qualification is that I see every opportunity, opportunity as an opportunity sent by the universe to me. And I feel I should grab it with both hands. And uh, that's what I did in my life. So when I couldn't play cricket for the country, I landed up raising $2.3 billion for Indian cricket. And I ensured that the entire Indian cricket team was represented by me alone. 
So I still played hobby cricket, but then I got in the middle of the mix. So this whole attitude of having an open mind and good reflexes uh, really allowed me to flow with the tide. So when I graduated in Mumbai, I mean, I hardly graduated because I just barely passed through my education system. And I had to get a job and I, I just couldn't get one. And my mother challenged me one morning that she was reading an Indian newspaper and, and she saw this company called the Taj Hotels. And that is one of the most respected groups in India, the Tata Group. And she said, if you can get a job here uh, on your own merit, then I will leave you on your own and I will let your father also leave you to do your own sports and crap, but prove to me that you can on your own get a job. I went to the hospitality industry to get a job. It was a nightmare. There were 5,000 candidates. Only 11 were selected and I was one of them. But I was a steward in uh, the Taj Mahal Hotel, Mumbai, in the coffee shop. Uh, not the Amsterdam coffee shop, but the real tea coffee shop. In India, coffee shop has a different meaning. So I was actually serving milkshakes and tea with a little bow. And my, my, my salary was less than you know, 30 pounds a month at that time. And, uh, and at that time, I realized the value of money. The, uh, the value of uh, following your dreams and, and the value of uh, uh, having resourceful uh, contacts uh, whereby you can fulfill your dreams. So that's how it actually cruised along. And then I landed up uh, one day getting an idea with my brother, who's also in the hospitality industry at that time, working as a front office manager. He was a science graduate. I was a commerce graduate. And then we both together in 1984 started an advertising agency, a small little pop-up advertising agency. We borrowed uh, $8,000 from my father uh, to get an office, uh, which we returned to him subsequently. And uh, then from the advertising then in my journey, I was just so excited at being alive. And I was so thrilled that every day I was getting like 10 ideas. I see every sunrise in the morning, I get up at five o'clock. I sleep four hours because I, should, I feel that we must sleep when we die. We'll get very long sleep. You must uh, stay awake and you must cherish this beautiful journey called life. So I went crazy. I did 23 startups in 23 years. So every time I slept in the night and I got a dream, uh, uh, people call it dreams. I, I, just, I just call them opportunities because I think every dream is uh, real. As long as you have self-belief and self-confidence in the dream, you can make those dreams come true. So every night I would dream and wake up at five, take a paper and pen, start writing the idea, then go to the office, tell my brother, and he'll say, you're an idiot. You make no sense because why are we doing this? We should do what we know. And I said, we should do what we do. We know. But we should also do what uh, we don't know, because who knows what's going what's to be on the other side. And so those 23 startups, we became a billion plus dollar company. We were the most prestigious 300 top brands in the country. We represented, I mean, huge amount of brands and celebrities. And we had 4,000 employees, 46 offices. It just suddenly, you know, we just, it just exploded into the real world. And for me, I sat back at a very early age. I got married at 25 and at 35, I felt I had everything that I really wanted in my life. I was done actually. I fulfilled every possible dream. And then one day I didn't feel like going to the office and, and, uh, and uh, something happened. My father told me very interesting. I, I used to have early morning tea and walks with him. And he said to me that, you know, that you don't go to the, when you don't go to work, you know what happens? I said, nothing. I won't make more money, but I already have enough. So I can see the world. I want to travel. I want to play cricket in Winchester and Oxford. And I want to travel, you know, all of England and Australia and South Africa playing cricket. And I want to have fun. I want to drink some wine and chill. He says, no, you have 4,600 employees. Those are your employees. And they are connected to another million families. So when you don't go to work, you don't provide a livelihood to these people. It is you who is the captain of the ship. So it is, you are fortunate enough 
to have the power to feed a million people. So don't stop doing that because that is the journey of your life. Your journey was not to make these bucks and, and go and blow them up. <laughs> so very interesting uh, ups and downs. But uh, to be honest, I think uh, it was that open-mindedness and fantastic reflexes, uh, which made me an opportunist and an expressionist. That's inspiring and actually very powerful. So I want to start with that relationship with your father and as well the sense of discipline and responsibility, which is very typical of India, but as well, there's a lot of layers. So I want to touch that because I think that made the man you are today and as well the, yeah. the success you have, but as well the sense of responsibility, but as well of passion. And I love that you say yourself as an opportunist and an expressionist. <laughs> I want to touch that. So can you, can you talk a bit about this? I think it's particularly important and as well, especially for people listening to us, there are entrepreneurs that are facing a lot of, success, a lot of challenges, especially with COVID-19 and with everything happening in the world. This is very important because success doesn't happen by accident. There's always reasons for that. I think so, there's a formula to success that I followed, and I and I and I, I I think a lot of people follow, and which is a fear and hunger. Uh, so either you're very scared that if you don't succeed, what will happen? You won't be able to pay your mortgage. You won't be able to buy the car that you want. You'll not be able to have the holidays that you want. So that's fear in life. That you know the life that I want to live, I'll not be able to live if I don't. Uh, commercially make myself stable and successful and hunger is is another ball game and and that comes to a very few people i've seen that are you hungry for more that hunger is uh, i don't know how to say it but um, it's a mentality to do to 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 see life as an opportunity itself look we must understand our relationship with planet earth earth is the landlord we citizens 8 billion people are tenants we are here, we will have some fun with the apartment or the land space or the space that the earth has given us, full of opportunities, full of beautiful things, beautiful relationships, great food, great lifestyle. And one day we'll leave. So while we are on earth and, and, and being the tenant of this fantastic landlord called earth, we must uh, really make the most of this journey. And therefore, you should be really hungry uh, to live life to its fullest in, in a manner that that excites you. Uh, obviously, I, I truly believe I have a, I have a combination of 70-30 in my life, and which is, you know, I, if, I, if I make $100 all my life, of my commercial life for three decades, I keep 70 to myself for my own lifestyle, my family, my peers, things, you know, that I need to maintain a certain status and my uh, lifestyle. And 30% I always give back to society. In Indian uh, word, Hindu, it's called seva. Uh, because if you don't give back, you will never get. So you plow back, whether you plow back in environment, education, poverty, you pick your cause because your relationship of, with planet Earth, you take a lot from it, but you, you seldom give back. And, and I feel that there, there's a phrase that I learned early from my father, which was the pleasure that you get in giving, you don't get in getting. And understand that in your life, you rather all your life, you work hard, be an opportunist, Grab every opportunity, good work, always create a win-win environment, but always have, have your hand like this. Your hand should be the hand of a giver. And I hope ever in your life, your hand doesn't turn like this, where you have to ask for something. You should be in a powerful position to give people who are not as fortunate as we are. 
So I, I always strive for that and I maintained a fantastic balance between 70-30 ratio. So if you go through my graph, uh, I have consistently done a lot of uh, uh, corporate social responsibility work, whether it's for uh, earthquake or whether it's for HIV or whether it's for National Association of Blind or, or it's for education. It's been a consistent, consistent part of me. So therefore, I maintained a good balance between the three pillars of my life, which is uh, uh, creativity, commerce, and cause. So creativity is what makes me get up every morning. And creativity is what ensures that I make money. And when I make money, I also invest in cause, a good cause to leave my, my landlord happy when I, when I leave this planet and go somewhere, disappear into the skies. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I love the, this angle between the fear and anger. I think this is critical more than ever. I, I think especially as we have uh, a society in one end uh, driven by technology that we are all becoming a bit cyborgs. But at the same yeah. time, we need to keep, and especially as artificial intelligence touches everything we're doing, even if it's our phones. But at the same time, we still need to, to keep this, this anger and as well the balance between the fear and the passion and as well the anger, which I love the way you put it, and it's really very sure. inspiring. So I, I want to go, so from your background, and I think it's really impressive that you, uh, I think that relationship with your father is very beautiful, and I think it's, you're lucky on that level because not a lot of people have that relationship with the family background, which marks a person for the rest of their life and as well creates a sense That's of balance, or a sense of non-balance. But you start from the sports, and then you start creating a lot of companies, and then, of course, you went to film. So can you just tell us that these three angles, because you are still, uh, I think you are one of the few people that has this kind of component between the creative part, like you said, the business part, and as well the yeah. media part, which is a fantastic balance and more important than ever, actually, uh, nowadays. So I would like to hear about that. Sure. I think, uh, like I said to you, it started from advertising and, uh, uh, and advertising for, uh, for me uh, at a really early stage was a communication solution. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, it's really embarrassing to say this, but I learned a lot from my father, which is discipline, knowledge, and hunger, fear. But from my mother, I learned a very interesting thing. And my mother, and, and I don't advocate this to the audience listening to this podcast. Please do not do, not do this, please. But my mother taught me uh, one thing which became really uh, the, the, the most strongest qualification of my entire career. And I made all my fortunes and I won most of my awards and everything courtesy my mom's lesson and my mom's lesson was uh, she was a phenomenal liar and she taught me how to lie you know and 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 then she told me that uh, you know you lie and if you believe in your lie and your lie does not hurt anybody else you will have the power to make it come true so i said wow that's twisted and uh, <laughs> therefore uh, in advertising luckily i went to only clients initially who were asked as less qualified as me because then I could lie to them and, and they wouldn't catch my lie. And then I would tell them, I'm going to make this campaign and you're going to sell a million products and you trust me and you trust me. I don't know what that word means. I mean, in America, trust me means a very bad word. But so I went down that journey and advertising just blossomed because I happened to be a good storyteller and a great liar. And, uh, and once I lied and I went back to my desk in the office and I said, shit, how am I going to do this? And then I... I was able to visualize in uh, a virtual environment of, of people and resources and ideas that were going to make this come true. Because my mom always told me that 
if you lie with conviction, then your lie will become a truth one day. So I said, okay, my mom cannot be wrong. And then I would, for all the resources, move all the mountains that it took to not only deliver, but over-deliver. There's a friend of mine called Mr. Ian Banner, who, uh, the, who started the Laureus Sports Foundation in, in, the, in Monaco. It's, uh, it's based in, out of Europe. It's the largest sports foundation in the whole world. Uh, uh, Laureus Sports Awards and Laureus uh, Sports for Good. Uh, and he said something about me in an introduction to like 500 athletes uh, in, a, in a big moment. And I was the only Indian there. He says, and, and let me introduce you to Mr. India Shalinder Singh, a man who always overpromises. And he had a long pause. And I said, shit, that's not an introduction. And then he said, and he always overdelivers. So that was pretty much the statement. Now in advertising, then when I was able to be successful initially and, and I was sitting with my clients and my client one day was very frustrated with the printer. You know, the idea that I gave, uh, the printer was not doing a good job. And he says, you know, and I was very disappointed because if I created an idea, I wanted it to be executed well. So I told the, the client, I lied to the client. I said, I, I'm a very good printer. Uh, uh, can I print this for you? And he says, seriously? I said, yeah. I have a printing press. It was a complete lie. I'd never been to a printing press that early in my life at all. I had no idea what, what color or no clue at all. And uh, I took that to a freelance printer. I sat with him all night. And what happened is that I made a very good brochure, but I also learned printing. The next time I was sitting with another client and he was going to launch his product and he was calling thousand dealers and retailers. And he, was, he wanted to have a dealer conference. I didn't know what that meant, but I certainly understood one thing that my client was wanting to communicate what I did through the advertisement to his dealers and retailers to motivate them to sell the product. So it was no big deal. What I was doing in a one minute commercial, he had to do it over three hours to thousand dealers and retailers. So, so I told him I do dealer conferences. I've done the biggest in India. I lied. And he said, you're serious. I said, oh yeah, yeah I do the best dealer conferences and <laughs> I got the contract for one of the biggest dealer retailer conferences and I made it a big success and this journey just went on and when I realized and one day the you know we used to outsource making the ad films the, the commercials we used to go to these directors and one day a director was bullying me uh, because he said you first put your money then I will give you your tapes I, I got really angry because I said my clients releases tonight and then I went back to my house. I was really disappointed that night and I spoke to my wife and I said, I'm launching an advertising film company tomorrow morning. And I, I told my brother, my partner, it's a, it's a great idea. And he says, it's, it's a useless idea. And do not put the name of a company on it because we are not into filmmaking. What is this rubbish you're again up to? And then I had my new small little boxer dog in my lap and he was called Tiger. We, I, I've uh, produced uh, close to uh, three and a half to 4,000 commercials. I used to shoot three commercials a day as a creative producer and director. Uh, so then I, uh, and I made a lot of money uh, in the production of advertising commercials. But until that day when my client and me were frustrated, I would have not seen this as an opportunity. I would have not even known that I had the skill set to sell stories in 30 seconds and 10 seconds and 60 seconds. I never thought so. Uh, but then that's how Tiger Productions came to be which subsequently in this journey will become Percept Picture Company, which produced 72 motion pictures. So the dog company became uh, the fifth largest film studio in Bollywood. <laughs> and then the name obviously changed once we made a shitload of money. My brother said, it's a good idea. I like your idea. Uh, <laughs> drop the dog name, 
and you can now put the company name. I said, oh, thank you so much. You're so kind. So basically from advertising, it was the core because advertising got me really close to the decision maker in every brand, whether it was the marketing director, whether it was the chairman of the company or the managing director. But I was sitting on the couch with the man who made the product and who called the shots for that company. I was so close to that person. So obviously I became a person that he would trust because I was representing his, the communication for his product. And that's how from each client, I opened up into rural marketing, media buying, um, sports management, talent management. Once I was sitting with a client and, and uh, you know, we were looking at a celebrity and we had to now call a celebrity agency to source uh, a big celebrity for their brand. And that was the time when India was, you know, 90% of Indian campaigns had a celebrity in it. You know, a Bollywood actor just stood there and said, this product is good and the whole country would buy it. Or a cricketer stood there and said, buy this product and that's it. You didn't have to do anything creative. So, and I realized when I got a performer invoice from the agency of the artist, they were charging 20%. So I was signing a million dollar contract with an artist and they were taking 20% on the million dollar, the agency. And I said, this is good business. This is what I'm doing is rubbish. And I launched Percept Talent Management at that time. And then we, we were the first one. I mean, we represented 600 artists from boxers to cricketers to footballers to Bollywood actors and whatnot, everybody. And, and then that talent business became really successful. So like I said initially in the beginning of the conversation, all the 23 startups happened because I spotted an opportunity from my primary source of building a relationship with a client and building a trust of delivery. So the formula is A, find a client, B, lie to him, C, make that lie a truth, D, take all his money, and everything he's doing in media, communication, and entertainment. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> well, in one end, I wouldn't call it lie. I would call it very good sales capacity. I think your mother was a fantastic sales lady. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's it's yeah, the way you put the words. But it's important because I think... Uh, I think if you look at self-development and self, uh, even in terms of self-direction, what you tell to you becomes, is like what uh, Elon Musk has been saying, that we are in some kind of perceptional <laughs> universe, but in one end is I mean, what you tell to ourselves, it normally yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look at, look at Mr. Musk. I mean, he, he presents the same dream I present, but with a lot of intellectual masturbation. And uh, he has had 20 startups and 19 went bust. And he's fortunate that the last one somehow went somewhere up. So it's very interesting that storytelling has different names in, yes. on the planet. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 Mr. Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America, period. He told a good story, uh, which a lot of people believed in. True story, false story, I don't know. So I, I, believe, I, I believe, I like to make fun of myself. I, I like to uh, uh, believe that I was not qualified uh, to do the jobs that I've done in my life, uh, but I have always honored uh, my promises and I have a 99.9% uh, delivery success ratio with all my relationships on the planet. Uh, not one phone call you will make that you'll get a negative feedback because I really work hard and I'm really honest in delivering the promise that I make uh, constantly and consistently. And that is the important thing is about delivery. I, I believe as well on that. And it's very, very important nowadays, more than ever, actually, because we have so much competitive and, and complex world. So one thing before I go to your career that I want to touch. Uh, and the, so 
in the last 30 years, India went through like a twilight zone from almost 19th century or even 18th century yeah. to the 21st century. And now it's becoming one of the most advanced countries in the world. For instance, I remember going 10 years ago to India. Now, if you go right now, there's a massive difference in the sense that some areas of India are already becoming to the level of, of uh, London or other things. Of course, with the with the complexity of India, which sure. makes it much more exciting as well. And as well, some areas of India, we have like some of the biggest uh, top CEOs in the planet that are Indians. So we have all this, yes. uh, not only India, but as well the diaspora of India, and as well, of course, the population. So how do you see these last 30 years in terms of the development? Because you've been going through all of that, especially, like you said, in the, in the media industry and the advertisement, you see as well the changes from a country that was like very easy to sell until a country that becomes quite complex and quite sophisticated. And as well all the cultural, because for instance, 30 years ago, or even 10 years ago, the sense of culture, the sense of race, the sense of caste was massively important. Now it's becoming a bit more blurred, but India is very complex on that level. Now, like you said, the storytelling is all about storytelling and you are a master storyteller. So how do you see that evolution in the last 40 years, but as well as a media person and as a mogul of Bollywood and as well as, a, as someone that, that mostly shaped the way the media, the Bollywood, the film industry has been in India? Uh, I, I mean, India is just a, a pretty new uh, independent country on the planet. Uh, we are just 70 years plus uh, of independence. So uh, uh, I would call ourselves a really new nation on the planet uh, since independence because uh, we also have 1.38 billion people. So, if, and I also uh, always position India as the United States of India. You know, uh, India, uh, uh, and the reason I call it the United States is because when you take a one hour flight, uh, you speak a different language, uh, different food, different gods, different culture different traditions. It's a crazy country. I mean, from North, South, East, West, and within each state, oh my God, I mean, you're talking about zillion languages, zillion different traditions, etc. So it's a, it's a, it's a complex country, uh, but the opportunity in India is unbelievable. The, and I would say that the natural resources that India brings to the table, uh, the first resource is obviously it's, uh, it's humans. Uh, like you correctly said that if you look at the 50 top corporations of the world, I think 38 uh, CEOs of the top corporations are from India. The sad part is that most of our talent, whether it's engineers, scientists, doctors, bankers, anybody, uh, whenever they blossom and they succeed, 90% uh, of them leave our country and, and, and move to other, other countries. Uh, so I feel that imagine a world uh, soon where all Indians that are all over the planet who are so successful actually came back to India. Oh my God, if that day, happen in this time, we will be the greatest country on this planet, hands down. And I say so, why? Because uh, first of all, I'm, I'm, in, I'm deeply in love with my country. Uh, you know, I don't know whether you searched and figured it out, but I recently ran a campaign called One India, My India. Uh, I really believe that uh, we are all different from the outside, but we are all the same from the inside. Uh, so I was advocating a thought process that let not politicians, let not power, let not politics, let not money divide India, because that happens on a daily basis on 9 p.m. news every night. Uh, so I, I feel that the, um, the country's human resource talent pool is outstanding. I think the best in the world. And therefore, like you correctly said, that in terms of technology, uh, imagination, science, uh, space science, medicine, uh, we are at par. Our biggest disqualification is politi politics. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, politics uh, slows our nation down in a, in a major way 
because we are the world's largest democracy, but we are an extremely complex democracy uh, to handle. So I, I feel our growth could have been much better, but it is uh, it it gets held back uh, due, the, due to the complexities of the politics and the politicians. Because uh, the fact of the matter is that we are taught and educated and grown up in our lives to believe that it's horses for courses. That means qualification gets you the job, uh, that puts you in the position of power to make decisions. Right? I mean, you only can fly a, a, an aircraft if you're a pilot. But somehow we have managed to create an environment maybe across the world, but in India, particularly, I want to speak about it, that you could have an education minister who's never been to school and you could have a finance minister who has zero knowledge of finance. Now that for me doesn't work, but what we have seen is that the potential of India is immense. We have the youngest population on the planet. Uh, I think we're now close to China in terms of uh, uh, the telecom sector, I mean, the way it's booming uh, uh, and all of India is getting connected. Uh, so the consumption and the consumer base is massive. And with the digital and, and knowledge explosion uh, and with, with your phone in your hand in the villages and small towns, everybody can access equal information. And therefore, every person is reasonably empowered. Are they mature enough or not? I don't know. But can everybody Google information? Yes. Can everybody on, be on TikTok? Yes. Can everybody be on YouTube? Yes. Does everybody have the maturity to handle it? So I think India is a, uh, in my opinion, and I really want to be honest, I've always uh, uh, put a, light, a, a true perspective. The potential of India is immense. The complexities of India should be understood by anybody who is wanting to come into this country. And you must have a very strong local partnership if you're coming to India, uh, because I feel that that is a necessity uh, because there are certain rules of engagement in this country that takes a long time for foreign, uh, foreign investors, partners uh, to understand. Now, just touching upon, so this is, the, I, I touched upon the aspect of the business potential of India. It's fantastic. You know, when there was a boom and Asia was growing, everybody ran to China, forgetting that China is a dictatorship and they didn't speak English at that time. Of course, there's a huge amount of effort to ensure that every Chinese speaks English and, and you know, they're doing their best to, to, to be part of the global economy scenario. But India was a democracy. And you know what? After our national language, Hindi, I think I would say 50% of India speaks English, which is interesting. To, uh, it's, it, it allows you. Uh, and when I... When I look at India as a country and I get to, you know, uh, when I travel overseas and of course it feels beautiful because India has its own, you know, underbelly, so to say so, like even a maximum city like Mumbai has the largest slums on the planet in, in Mumbai itself. So it's a, it's a contradiction. On one side of the street in Mumbai, you'll find a Gucci and a Louis Vuitton store and just 20 feet apart, there could be a home that is not even finding one meal a day, but, but both coexist. And, and both coexist in reasonable harmony, which I think is quite interesting. And I therefore feel there's a great potential for, uh, for growth for this sector and for uh, consolidation for this sector. So, and, and, and beyond that, I've been a big advocate of bringing all my international friends. I mean, recently I had the good fortunes of hosting uh, two very special people that I'll mention. And I, 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 I market India as if I own India. Uh, like you have no idea, come to my country, you have no idea the food, the culture, the traditions, you got to go to Agra and Rishikesh and Jaipur and Kerala and get this massage and every state has a different massage and every state has a different food and the music and from folk to Sufi to classical, oh my God, this is a crazy country. 
Recently, I got in one of my friends called Sergey Polinin. Uh, he's the greatest living ballet dancer on planet Earth. He originally from UK, now, uh, Ukraine, now lives in Russia. Uh, he and me uh, became friends by default. I won't tell the whole story, but we became, we became friends in three minutes in Amsterdam. I don't know why. I'm not a ballet fan, but I don't know some energies. Like I always said, you know, we're all connected and we just hung. And I told him, you must come to India. And he looked at me and said, good idea. And then I got a call and then he just took a flight uh, uh, two Decembers ago. He was here for Christmas alone. He's a big celebrity. Uh, I mean, I said the greatest living ballet dancer. Uh, so he's a superstar. And him and me traveled uh, uh, to strange places. We tracked the Ganges. Uh, uh, we traveled from uh, Varanasi to Rishikesh. You know, Ganga, the Ganges is a, is a river that comes from the Himalayas and, and sort of goes through the heart of India, you know but it comes from up there in the mountains. So we traveled and we had the most spiritual, fascinating journey of our lives together, him and me. And I made a movie on it and it's edited and it's ready for release now. So I'll be putting it out, how we travel and how his life transformed by that visit of just six nights to India. It literally transformed. You can see uh, the change that happened to him. He's a rock star right now, he's killing it. And about a few months ago, I had a friend from Hollywood, Mr. Michael Douglas, uh, we've been friends for a long time in my life uh, and we've kept in touch. We were supposed to do big business together. We were supposed to make a movie long time ago called Racing the Monsoon. It was a prequel uh, to Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. So Racing the Monsoon was supposed to be shot in India from Rajasthan, a train robbery story. And uh, he came and we became friends and we couldn't make that movie subsequently, but we've remained friends for 15 years, surprisingly. So he came to Mumbai just, I think, uh, in January, just four or five months ago. And this time he bought his wife, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And, uh, and it was a phenomenal, uh, so we presented India to him in Mumbai in one day. It was crazy. And uh, fortunately, he also allowed me to articulate uh, uh, that one day, that 24 hours. So hopefully, fingers crossed, if he likes the edit, it'll be out in the, the usual Amazon, Netflix for you to see that what happened in that 24 hours. So, uh, but all these people, not only these people, I mean, a lot of influential people come to India and take a lot out because I feel there is a soul. Uh, there is a soul in India uh, that I don't think I find in any other place on the planet. Uh, and, and India is an intriguing, uh, layered, uh, emotional relationship uh, that only if you seek with complete honesty, uh, will you find it. Uh, so lots of people come and take pictures at Taj Mahal and, and, and fly away. And, and they say, hey, tick mark, I've been to India. Versus a Richard Gere or a Gerard Butler who's been here nine times, they actually come you know, and actually absorb the energy and the soul and build a relationship with India. People who do that take a lot out of India in terms of creativity, inspiration, and also economic benefits. But you must, if you ever come to India, for whatever reason you may want to come as a tourist, as a businessman, as a family person, you must understand that you must be sincere. You should have an open heart and you should connect with the soul of India. When you do, trust me, you'll be a changed and a better human being. No, I believe on that and I, I, I love India. India. So and I've been feeling that since my first experience with the Indians and cheers. <laughs> um, on that part, and I think through this transformation of India that's been going, and I think, like you said, it's going to be much bigger because I think if you see 
I don't think there's any culture as complex and as rich as India in a lot of ways. Because like you said, India is these different countries and states, different religions, different languages. Yeah. But it has as well a creativity on its own and as well a spiritual sense that you don't have in the, the rest of the world. So I think that is a very, very important thing that we have. So I, I want to touch then from that storytelling that is unique. How did you start your your Hollywood or Bollywood, sorry, career? And how did you push it um, to the level of 72 uh, feature films, but as well a lot of different things that have been building in the industry? And as well, I'm particularly interested to hear your views around the 40 years of developing of Bollywood, because as well as one of the biggest producers, but as well, what I've been finding um, in the last uh, years that I've been traveling, well, I travel a lot, not now. Yeah. I think we're all right now uh, uh, at home. Grounded. But, uh, but what I, <laughs> we are all grounded. But what I've been finding is if you travel most of the world, um, at the moment, the Bollywood presence is much, much bigger than just India. And even I was not conscious about that. Really. If you go to any Emirates flights or, or British Airways or any of these big yeah. airlines, you have almost more Bollywood films than actually Hollywood films. And, um, and I see that is, there's a, a revolution going on in the sense that Bollywood is actually becoming a global industry. That if we, for instance, even in countries like Vietnam, which I had no clue, they are completely Bollywood fans. Even the young population, the oldest and so forth. So there's a huge right now global exposure that I think is not reflected completely in the Western world. I think we're not conscious how big it is. And I think the yep. opportunity is, is just going to become bigger. So I would like to hear your views from these last three decades of development and as well, um, how do you see the present and, and I want to touch a bit on the future as well. Yeah. So uh, I, I just want to say that, you know, maybe the reason that Bollywood movies really cut across and it's just not Vietnam, but also Russia and China, even China's releasing a lot of Bollywood movies. And uh, I think the, 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 the single uh, one word I could explain is that Bollywood movies are all about joy. Uh, they're supposed to give us joy. They're not supposed to make sense. So I think there's a lot of darkness on the planet. So I, I love to see a film on gun control or, you know, diamonds out of South Africa and slavery. And I love uh, looking at those stories. But Bollywood feels, I think, somewhere that there needs to be more joy on the planet. So if you see a Bollywood movie, it makes no damn sense. But there's so much joy in it. There's so much happiness in it. You know, sometimes one scene doesn't even connect with the other one. And, and that's why we got some eight, nine songs and, and the dances are like, boom. Like, you know, I mean, as if like there's a Jennifer Lopez in every song and a Shakira in every song and it's blasting out. It's just so much entertainment and happiness being put out in Bollywood movies and so much color. If you see every frame in a Bollywood movie has got so much color and so much happiness. And I feel that that, that is an element that's cutting across. Uh, possibly, uh, because there's just, there's just so much happiness in what is being made out of uh, the movies that we make. Uh, but for me, uh, uh, I felt that uh, films particularly, and not necessarily just Bollywood, because I also made a few uh, South Indian films, uh, uh, South Indian language films, and, and got a lot of uh, appreciation. I feel somewhere films are a mirror to the society. There's a reflection of uh, the stories that we tell are, are the reflection of the energy of the society somewhere. I feel that there is a connection between the two. And, uh, and for me, I, I felt that uh, Bollywood has the power to make a social change, to make a social difference. For me, all my cinema uh, uh, somehow had uh, meaningful propositions to, 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 to do. And that's why 
uh, like you, 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 you quoted me in the beginning, my first movie, Pyar Me Kabhi, Kabhi Kabhi, means sometimes in love, uh, had 197 debuts. It was a record in, the, in, in many record books in India. All the people who were in, in the movie, including the director, the writer, the producer, the actor, the singer, all were debuts, including me. 1999, I felt that if I'm getting an opportunity to be a first-time producer, it is my duty that I give an opportunity to everybody for the first time in my movie. And, uh, you know, it became a sort of a, a crazy story because they said, you know, are you mad? Why would you not play safe? I said, I'm not here to play safe. I'm here to tell stories and I'm here to give opportunities to people in the industry who are not getting op opportunities in the mainstream. So my journey of cinema was to tell stories that needed to be told but also have a social impact. And, 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 and I continuously did that. And that's why I landed up with a lot of national awards and a, and a lot of acclaim for the cinema I made. I could have made about 20 times more money than I made in, in my journey of cinema. Uh, but I don't regret that at all. To give you an example, there's one superstar in India who's a combination of George Clooney and Tom Cruise put together. He's called Salman Khan. He was a friend uh, at that time. And uh, when I got an opportunity to cast him in a movie, I could have made a blockbuster with him typically dancing and with guns and you know, Bollywood actresses and made a lot of money. But I, made, I, I put him in a movie, uh, which was the Indian version of uh, like adaptation of Philadelphia, Denzel Washington, a movie on HIV. Uh, and uh, I, so I put Salman Khan into a, into a film called Fir Milenge. Uh, and uh, it was for a social cause. Everybody laughed at me. But I felt after Africa, India was the second most uh, affected nation with HIV in those times. And we had the largest, youngest population on the planet. And I felt it's my duty to use superstars like Shilpa Shetty, Abhishek Bachchan and Salman Khan in a social message film. So that was my journey to always reinvent. I also made India's first social cinema, first animation movie, uh, 2D animation on Indian God, The Flying God, Hanuman. And I just therefore kept reinventing the wheel because whenever I felt that if I broke through the barrier and made a Bollywood movie with a, with a new direction and there could be a thousand me behind the alley. So I felt that I was uh, uh, like, like a big river breaking, uh, breaking myself into different streams uh, of creativity and allowing a lot of people to then follow those paths. And, then, and, and it did happen like that, to be honest. When I was making these small multiplex movies, there were no multiplex cinemas in India. And I always, I always felt uh, that you need to do make budget films so you can make more of them. So I made a lot of the cinema and now it's all about that in this space and time. So for me, uh, Bollywood is my, uh, I mean, I would say second love. First was cricket, to be honest with you. Uh, but, uh, and again, it goes back to my mother. I know it sounds really boring, but when I used to be studying uh, for my exams uh, in the eighth grade, she would drag me just one day before my exam and take me to a local cinema theater because she couldn't go alone. And uh, she used to take me to watch movies in the middle of the afternoon at 12 o'clock. Uh, that, was, that was her thing. And, and, she, and I didn't want to go because I wanted to study. But she said, it's, you must watch movies. It's very important because movies tell you exactly human relationships and you have to learn from movies. And I said, what is she saying, man? So I used to negotiate that she would give me a mango drink that I liked a lot. It used to be called Mangola in those days. And, and two samosas. Uh, if, she, if she promised to give me these two things, I used to go. And I landed up watching shitload of movies with her. And, uh, and I feel I'm, I'm really proud of Indian cinema. And, uh, and I'm also very proud that we've stuck to what we believe is our craft 
of, of uh, giving and sharing joy and happiness with the ent entire planet. And I'm really thankful to people across the, uh, the world uh, who enjoy Bollywood and consume uh, because we are one in, we are one in seven in the world populations. Indians are everywhere. So uh, if you like what we do, we will do more. So one of the, one of my passions is film as well, as I mentioned to you. So what, one of the things I found is, is that it is particularly difficult to find the platform to see Bollywood films. For instance, if you're not in India, and um, are you doing something on that? Because I think that's a massive business opportunity. Because if you look at uh, Amazon, um, and if you look at uh, Amazon Prime is starting to have something, but very, very small. And if you go yeah. as well to, to uh, well, the, the, the giants like Netflix, they have nothing, uh, almost nothing on that area. So I think that's yeah. a big business there for the rest of the world that is right now consuming this in a very um, fragmented way through, if you are, of course, in India, you can find everything. But if you go outside of India, because I remember I'm Portuguese and, and been living out of my country for 20 years. I remember the for one of the festivals of Indian film that was actually, for us, was actually fantastic because you have to go and see. But it's difficult to find, um, especially if you want yeah. to see like good quality. Even it's one of the things I've been finding out, and you are an author as well, is if you start trying to read about Bollywood film, there's very, very lack of information online. Uh, so that's a, as we come more digital, that's still a, a big opportunity because it's, we're talking about one of the biggest industries. So I, I want to see, and, and as an entrepreneur, if you're doing something in that area, because I think there's a big opportunity there. Uh, yeah, I, I entirely agree with you. So, but just to, you know, it's, I mean, there is a company that out of India called Eros International. They are, I think, Kishore Lula and Sunil Lula who live in uh, the UK. Uh, they have a very strong platform out of the UK, uh, which is trying to put out a lot of Indian content. And there is, in India, of course, the Star and Disney Network has Hotstar. And they're trying, but they're not the Amazons and Netflix of the world. So you're spot on and you're right. See, India lacks, uh, uh, I don't know, I, India lacks consolidation and archiving and putting things together. So, so I'll give you an example. So if you, you know, you love Bollywood so much. So you now, you know, we, now we become friends through this uh, digital conversation that we're having and then you come to India the first thing you'll say is show me Bollywood so now let me burst your bubble we don't have a Bollywood museum we don't have a Bollywood park we don't have a Bollywood studio we don't have uh, nothing <laughs> we have nothing I'm with you and I'm with you when I went to Mumbai yeah. I, I actually was excited to go and then I see well there's nothing <laughs> you're right unless you know some actors or you can go to studios that's difficult <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah. right. So it, yeah, yeah we, we as a country have this issue. Like in India, we always say cricket is a religion for us. Religion, religion, nonsense. In India, nobody watches state cricket, zone cricket, school cricket, college cricket, county cricket. No, they just watch India, Pakistan, India, England. They, cricket for them is entertainment. Bollywood for them is entertainment. It is unfortunate because you, as you correctly spotted, I wish... Uh, you know, a global investor who sees the true potential, like Dubai has seen it. They've got Bollywood parks and whatever. They've done Bollywood museums, Bollywood amusement parks. So Dubai is, is capitalizing on the success of Bollywood, but Mumbai in India is not. So it's a, it's a strange uh, scenario, but I truly agree with you. And if somebody uh, from across the world wants to come and set up an uh, ODT platform to consolidate some of the... Look, you know, we have cinema from 1931, you know, from Satyajit Ray times. I mean, it's been archived in Hollywood, in, in Los Angeles, but we haven't archived it here. 
I would love to do that. I am dying to make a Bollywood museum. I feel the journey of Bollywood is so fascinating. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I also feel that a museum is an intellectual part, but I also feel that there has to be a, a, a Bollywood Hall of Fame, a Bollywood place, a studio set up. Like when we go and we see the Universal Studio in Hollywood, it's a phenomenal experience. It, it not only glorifies and entertains you, but it also exhibits the true DNA. So I'm afraid. Uh, I will give all my creative expertise. I will expose you to all my contacts. I will back you like the strongest spine you can have. Bring your money. Come to Mumbai. Come to India. Let's set this up. No, no. I think I think it's a great business, and uh, I might have some ideas on that. No, I think I think it's really <laughs> important because because especially on the digital part, as we become more digital, um, that's a massive industry that is completely under and the. So I think there's a massive opportunity electronic music in it. So that's quite, so tell me about that because it's, I, I would say from your background, I would not see you building a, I actually build a, a music festival. I actually see what you are but in a small scale when I was young in Portugal and I work with the Sonar Festival, which is oh, one of the biggest in the world. I yes. So I actually, yeah, it's, it's one, but what you did in, in Go is really impressive. And someone <laughs> like you that is coming from a more uh, traditional advertiser. So tell me about that as well. I, I, I'm a huge musician. <laughs> Even in music as well. <laughs> I, I, I always say that India is a strange country, which is, you could define it in two words, retro future. So when you come to India, there's so much retro energy and vibe and culture and tradition, you know, whether it's our music, food, culture, everything goes back thousands of years. So the, the, the depth of India is so rich, so rich and so amazing. And with the technology explosion and the confidence that this generation has, it's sort of a retro future country. So uh, for me, uh, just to keep, to keep you posted that uh, I've done thousands and thousands of live entertainment events in my life, which included you know, cricket matches, musical concerts, not only in O2 Arena in London, Royal Albert Hall in London, but in San Francisco, big Bollywood concert with Salman Khan and Shah Rukh Khan dancing and Aishwarya Rai and Hrithik Roshan dancing in Royal Albert Hall and in India. So thousands and thousands of concerts. So I was already into live entertainment all my life, just to let you know. Don't forget where I started from, the small dealer conference for a client, and I suddenly realized the power of live entertainment. Whoa. From that dealer conference, I also uh, uh, did the Fashion Week in India, the biggest one for five years, flew down fashion directors from Paris. Uh, I don't know how to explain to you, but done three, 4,000 fashion shows. Uh, then the thousands of live events and all that jazz. So that's pretty much online for you to see. And when I say big events, I mean 100,000 audience, 80,000 audience, 150,000 audience, uh, large audiences. And uh, so then, then in 2007, I was just focusing on the youth because I've always been inspired by the consumer. I feel for me, uh, my consumer is like God. He's ultimate. He or she uh, I, I may not know the name of that person, but I have an intense relationship with my consumer. And I always visualize and, and dream on what does he or she want next. Because I truly believe that present is the past and future is now. So if it's that ideology, while I'm enjoying my present, I'm always thinking of the future because otherwise I'm not going to be happy with my own self. It's not about money and uh, wealth and, and uh, fame. No, no, no. It's personal satisfaction and joy of being able to predict the future and make yourself future-proof. Take a lot of pride, whoever happens, maybe five people, 10 people watch this interview, but I just wanna make a change in that one person who watches this chat and, and understands what I'm saying. 
Make yourself future-proof. Always think into the future because then you will get so much joy and happiness lying back in your bed at night and saying, dude, I thought of that first. And, and trust me, there is a consumer who's saying, woof, look at that guy or look at that girl. How did he come up with this? And that, that, that pure sense of excitement is the ultimate joy you're going to get. I'm telling you, when you win an award, you go backstage, you're going to call two and a half people. There are only two and a half people on this planet who actually unconditionally love you. Trust me. Rest is bullshit. All these stupid likes and crap on the Instagram and Facebook is all false. It's only two and a half people. But trust me, the ultimate joy is when you look yourself in the mirror and you know that you did something that nobody else did. That is irrepressible, irrepressible joy, irrepressible confidence for your own self. So having said that, in 2007, I sat back and said, I think India is going to lap up live entertainment. You know, we, are, we were so driven by the television and the cinemas that live entertainment had taken a massive backseat in our country. So at the same time, IPL, before the invention of IPL, I, I just want to be a little arrogant and say that I did close to 80 T20 matches, which, which was before the birth of T20 cricket in the world. Somebody should Google it. And then hopefully somebody should give me a private award for it. But they, that, those matches were called masala cricket. Masala means entertainment cricket. Six months before the birth of IPL, they banned me saying that you are corrupting pure cricket. And six months later, they launched IPL. <laughs> so when I was doing uh, cricket with music, so in cricket, what I did was I launched T20 format in 1997. IPL is now. So, and I used to have musicians playing uh, music on 80,000 watts of power when Sachin Tendulkar walked out to bat. I used to do songs, Sachin, Sachin. So I combined entertainment with cricket because I knew the Indian audiences wanted that. In 2007, when I was looking at the youth, I found the youth to be restless because we have so much music in our country, but we didn't have that one genre that unified all of the country. You must understand what I'm saying. So if you go to North, they speak Hindi, Punjabi, and Haryanvi, and many languages. You go South, Tamil, Telugu, Kannada, boom, boom, boom. You go East, boom, another. We are sitting on about three to 400 frequently spoken languages in my country. So obviously language cannot unite. So if Shakira comes here, it's, or Ricky Martin, it's those, those, tres, and after that it's gone because nobody understands the words. And that is why I was understand, figuring out why are international artists not able to come to India? Because we didn't understand the language. So you could be successful in Mumbai, but you will not be successful pan-India. And therefore, the economics were not working for the big artists who just come for one show to Mumbai, the, the, the entertainment capital. And then I stumbled upon, because in early days, I used to party in Goa and the jungles of Goa, where I used to put uh, truck batteries in sand and put sound system. And this to rave to, uh, you know, sort of psychedelic and trance music. And I was a huge fan of that music in jungle parties in the sand. And, uh, and those days I used to not even drink wine, which I started drinking at the age of 30 only, very late, because I was thinking I was going to play for the country. So no liquor. But uh, I partied a lot. And then somebody introduced me to electronic dance music, EDM. And when I stumbled upon that genre of music, I realized that this is bread and butter for India because electronic dance music has no words. It's only energy. -na 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 -na. I said, 
This is going to unify and unite all the youth of the country because youth is driven by energy. And electronic dance music was nothing but unified, good, positive energy. Cyclones and stuff like that can go a bit dark, but electronic dance music is happy music. Every one minute bar, you go, jump, it's happy. So then Sunburn came into birth as an idea in 2007. But just to clarify, 50% of the landmass of Sunburn from day one, and I'd never been to a mystery land, Tomorrowland, Ultra, never in my life. Till five years of Sunburn, I had never traveled overseas to any festival. So we curated this festival, completely made in India with our own ideology for our own consumer. And we kept 50% of Sunburn landmass for lifestyle activities. We had cinema theaters yoga centers, volleyball, beach volleyball, rock climbing, ping pong. We want libraries. Uh, we only allowed local cuisine. So if we were in Goa on the festival, you could only eat local food. No, no McDonald's, no nothing, no, no branded food. You must, if you're traveling all the way to Goa, you must eat Goan food. So that's how I felt that we stuck to the DNA and we, we became the third largest uh, music festival in the whole planet. Uh, and we became friends with Tomorrowland and Mikhail Diaz is a good buddy and even they traveled down to see what we were doing. And we really sort of, uh, I take pride in saying that my team and me, we really invented something unique uh, that we're proud of and it's still flying. I mean, it's, I mean, it's part of the lifestyle of youth in India. But the common connector was that. And, uh, and one day I'll tell you a short story. I know it's getting long, but I'll try and summarize it. I was leaving Sunburn because Sunburn became an expensive proposition. If you go to the festival, in Goa, which is the, 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 the flagship event of the year in December. We do a lot of sunburns across. I built an up, uh, top-down, bottom-up philosophy in sunburn. So we launched a sunburn uh, uh, club and we also had universities in India allowing us to do sunburns in campuses, college campuses. Because I felt that these kids of 15-year-old who cannot come and party with us where there's alcohol and everything, they will feel deprived. So I convinced the faculty of universities and we do close to 400 university shows in India, which I felt was really good because we, we give them the whole experience and we said, you're not deprived, but when you become 18, you can come to the big one. But till then, enjoy it in the university. And then one day in Goa, when I was leaving the festival at night, I saw eight young guys, you know, having a beer, sitting on scooters behind the stage outside the festival. And I just, I randomly always stop and talk to all my consumers because I love getting the energy on what, you know, what they feel. And they said, I said, how do you like the festival? He says, amazing, man, amazing. What music, man. We've been enjoying since three days. I said, great, thank you so much. And I said, did you like the stage design? Because at that year, we had done a retro future stage. We had the dancing Natrajana Indian god on stage with technology of the future. It was poof. All our, you know, we used to get tourists from 52 countries to Sanban Goa. So they were all like taken aback, like, wow, what is this? You know? So I asked them, did you like the stage design? And he says, no, we have not seen the stage. I said, then how have you partied at Sunburn? He says, we don't have money. You, you charge $150. <laughs> we don't even have $5 to go inside. So I said, what have you been doing? He said, we sit behind the stage on the main road and listen to music and drink beer. I said, serious? And I felt that while I had done something uh, to make my country proud, and, uh, but I had left out a majority of my population from not experiencing me. And that's why we launched Guesters for Good. Uh, and Guesters for Good means that all the people in the arena are free. All the people who cannot afford to buy a ticket, in Guesters for Good, they get to experience it free of cost. 
the artists, Hardwell, Martin Garrix, all perform for free. And I raise money through donations to corporates. And the cause is to educate children. So we have educated 130,000 children on a 10-year program already by doing four editions of the Guest List Festival. And I'm thankful for these global stars coming down and performing free of cost. And also Bollywood, a lot of singers have performed. So this was done for those eight guys sitting and drinking beer. They inspired me that I've got to give back even in Sandra. Oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And it's amazing what you achieve on that and all the other achievements. So one of the things that I want to talk, and I think I could not make this interview without talking, is your books. Okay, you have <laughs> F Nose and The True of Sunburn. <laughs> uh, so in, I know that uh, this, you're not necessarily a writer, but this, these books became very successful. And I think special F Nose won a couple of uh, awards on the list. Yes, very important. <laughs> As a writer myself, so tell me about the book, and, and I know that the book talks precisely about a lot of philosophy of life that you have. So that you can yeah, uh, I, I, I had a lot of experiences when I felt that I should articulate them. Like we spoke about Bollywood, that Bollywood has forgotten to articulate itself. And I wish they'd do it, because this generation know, needs to know where Bollywood came from. I mean, you know, from the era of the black and white cinema, etc. So we... So therefore, I felt that I should articulate my experiences. And in 2000, like 12 years ago, I went through a very interesting experience. My father died of lung cancer. A lot of uh, things went wrong in our lives, in our family, in our business. Something happened, uh, which was uh, uh, pretty disturbing overall uh, uh, you know, to me as, as an individual human being. And now I just want to share this uh, personal information. I don't, uh, I've never used an email in my life. Uh, uh, I, I write everything by hand. So everything here is paper and pen. Everything I write, I don't know. I don't even know how to print a boarding pass at the airport. I get anxiety attack if I trust technology. I, I don't like it. So, um, and I, I wrote this book by hand and uh, it is me. And I felt that that time when I saw the dark uh, patch and I always said to myself that it's when you enter a tunnel, a tunnel of darkness, the best part is that there is light at the end of it. You don't know how long the tunnel is. Sometimes the tunnel can be 10 years, can be 10 months, can be 10 minutes. But always get excited when you see darkness because at the end of the darkness, there is light. And I felt I should articulate all my experiences in this book. And, uh, and I did that. And, and I'm really fortunate if you go online and have a look because you know, I was so excited that I wrote a book. I distributed this book in, in pubs in England, in aircrafts in Australia. I used to go to these fancy... Uh, lounges for meeting in Los Angeles and leave my book there gently, like as if I just forgot it. Because I think books have a strange way of building relationships. They find their way, you know. I know these e-books and all these things that you guys read on this Kindle and Dindle and Bindle. I just like the smell of the paper. So I, I went and distributed this. And, you know, it changed lives. Um, uh, a French guy, you know, who met me in a, in a hotel, divorced his wife and he went back and wrote me a letter then my book was responsible for him divorcing his wife. He should have done that a long time ago. I said, what are you doing? And, and it goes on and on. But I just felt that I was able to build a million new relationships with people just by articulating my life experiences. So anybody who feels they have something to say, and if you're a singer, sing a song. If you are a movie director, tell the story. Don't be nervous. Your iPhone is a good camera. Don't get nervous. Pick up your phone. Tell the story. And, and if you feel that a book is your medium, tell it. You don't have to be an author to write a book. Look at me. I mean, look at me. I wrote a book. And, and then I wrote True Story Sunburn because I just felt that if I die, the heart attack or, or corona gets to me, 
the story of Sanban needs to be articulated because like you so, so rightly said that India is a very traditional society. We do not start Sanban, any event of Sanban, unless I do a, a, a religious ceremony of three gods, Lakshmi, she's the god of wealth and money, Ganesha, Lord Ganesha, the elephant god, is the god for starting all things. And my favorite god, Hanuman, the flying god, the god of strength. Uh, so I pray to these three gods. And then on the entire sound system of Sunburn, we play the anthem of Hanuman, Hanuman Chalisa, before the audience walks in. So we're so old school. And all our 5,000 uh, people who work on Sunburn are not supposed to touch alcohol. Uh, till the last minute of day number three of the festival. But at 9.59 on day three, champagne's open. <laughs> so old school, uh, but catering to a future audience. So I just, I just request, including you, uh, if you have a story, just tell it. Whether it's a book or movie or, or a song, just do it. Don't be shy. No, that, that's wonderful. So I, I want to touch, and uh, we are wrapping up in a while, but I, I want to still sure. probably tell more, uh, some more time. But uh, So one question is, uh, with all these achievements, which are impressed by all standards, um, uh, and I know that you have the, the anger to keep things and really push things, which I admire a lot, and it's been a pleasure so far, but yeah. in San Francisco, you feel probably worse than you feel in... Because what I love about Tin is that even with all the chaos, people are happy. They are passionate. They are full of energy. <laughs> Whereas in the US, you have depression. You have, I got depressed. Even in Africa, it's better. So I think we have a big challenge. Even in Europe, we have this kind of uh, growing old population that is getting out of touch with reality yeah. and as well getting into a lot of challenge. So the world is very, very, very crazy at the moment in a lot of ways. Of course, we have fantastic things at the same time. So what would be the message of hope for someone that came from, um, from these 30 years of development of India and as well continuing fighting and doing wonderful things because you could be doing, having fun, but uh, you have that passion which I admire and I'm the same. I don't, I, I don't care about how much I achieve. Like, I want to do much more. <laughs> So what would be a that message? Because I think it's really important nowadays, more than ever. Yeah. So here it goes. Thank you for asking this question. And uh, I'm, I'm saying something that I was not supposed to say because it's supposed to be my new offering. Uh, but I feel a connection with you and your two other colleagues uh, who are working hard behind the scenes putting this together. So uh, thank you to them also. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I feel a good energy in this conversation. Um, and so I'm going to share something extremely uh, uh, private and uh, important, uh, extremely important uh, to me personally. And uh, I hope it resonates with uh, your uh, viewers and listeners and it, it works for them. Uh, so I feel that uh, all of us, uh, I'll go back to the, uh, the line that I wrote and I'm really proud of that. With everything divides, love unites. So uh, my, my thought process uh, as a human is that uh, we're all different from the outside but we are all same from the inside. You could be a German from the outside. You could be an Indian, an American, an African from the outside. You could speak different languages. You could have different religious beliefs, surely. But from the inside, the color of your blood is red. Your heart beats the same way. The organs in your body are identical to mine. So if all gurus of the planet, all spiritual leaders, all gods always tell you, in the moment of crisis, in the moment of darkness, to look inside. My humble request is that we are going through a massive correction on planet Earth. It's time for humanity and humans to look inside. And when you look inside, whether you're a German, African, whether you're brown, black, yellow, or white, 
you are the same from inside. But you being different from the outside, which should have been a qualification of you being different from the outside, is being manipulated by the powers of the world. You're being divided in the name of religion, caste, fashion, language, currency, maps, gods. So everything divides, love unites. And I feel that you can cure this problem as a human by acknowledging just two simple things. And never forget the fact, to give yourself an example, that if I cut the hand of a black man or a black woman, the blood that flows out, is it black? No. If you cut my hand, you think brown blood comes out? No. If you cut the hand of Donald Trump, you think white blood flows out? No. The blood is the same color. If we are the same from the inside, then where is the conflict? The conflict is man-made. The solution will also have to be man-made. And you can only find a solution to this problem if you believe in one philosophy. And one philosophy is simply, you are not a German, an American, an Argentinian, or an Indian, or an African, or a Britisher first. You're first an Earthian. Stop writing in your passport your country. <laughs> country, Indian. Country, American. Religion, Hindu. Religion, Christian. Also add one new column, planet, Earth. Because healthcare budgets, like, you know, healthcare in India is 1% of GDP, but we spend 5% on space science. If you're not being able to find another planet for $60 trillion, stop looking for it and take care of this planet. We are nothing. It's so small, this Earth, and we are only 8 billion people. Why are 46% of our population sleeping hungry every night? Why 62% people don't have shelter? Are you mad? What kind of world have we created? So I believe that the solution lies in the fact that all citizens of this, all, all tenants of the landlord called Earth should understand that you're Earthian first, then an American, then an Indian, then a German. So I believe that the time has come to understand the aspect that you're only different from the outside, but you're same from the inside. So my message is, a, celebrate the fact that you're still alive. How do you do that? For just one moment of the day, breathe in, breathe out. Please don't take this breath for granted. Shut your nose and shut your mouth for three minutes. See what happens to you. This is what's happening to people in COVID. What is the universe teaching you? They're dying of a lung disease. They can't breathe. They're dying because they're not able to breathe. This is the universe teaching us a lesson that I gave you a breath to cherish, to celebrate. And you took that breath for granted. I give you a heart. So it beats not just for yourself, but it beats for your family members. Your family members are 8 billion, not your four people who live under your roof. Your heart was supposed to beat for yourself and others, but it did not beat for others. And that's why we are in this chaos. And it's just not COVID. It's a forest fire and a tsunami. And the universe will continuously keep teaching us lessons through different, different warnings and, and attacks, whether it's a virus, whether it's a flood, it's a forest fire, keep going on till we don't learn the lesson. And I truly believe that we have lots of leaders of religion, lots of lead, leaders of politics, lots of leaders of countries, but we do not have a leader of humanity. I don't trust WHO United Nations. We need now a leader of humanity if we can find one. And if you can't find one, I want all 8 billion people, all 8 billion humans to become leaders of their own destiny and take life in control because we need to look after our family members. And it's only 8 billion. What's wrong with us?
How can another family member of ours die hungry? How can a child die of starvation somewhere? Rubbish. And if we can send space shuttles to the moon, we can't freaking create medicine. We can't create food and shelter for children. So I plead that the problem there is hunger, shelter, and education. We need to unite as a humanity and ensure that every child on this planet, who is the future of this planet, gets food, shelter, and education. And if we can't do this, then all these good gates, these are people who have to be, be balanced soon, or so many lives will be lost. So, in a good way, breathe. Cherish the fact that you're alive and spend a moment to listen to your heartbeat and let that heartbeat just not for yourself but for humanity at large. Namaste. Welcome to India. Namaste. No, it's wonderful. And I, I subscribe 100%. But I think it's very difficult. So I think as a wrap-up, and I think we're passing one hour and a half. So it's a great, great... I have a lot of things to talk, and I'm sure we're going to do another one, probably face-to-face. -face. So one sure. thing that I think is really important for me, and I think, uh, although I'm a technologist, and I am quite well-known on the technology <laughs> side, but, but my, and as well entrepreneur like you, but... Uh, um, what I love about your passion and success is that you are determined to get things done. And I think we have yeah. a big challenge in the education world and society about people taking ownership, like you said, about your life. Because people don't take ownership of their lives. And I yeah. think that is a big problem. It's, it's very difficult because society is not programmed to make people taking ownership. And I think you, you had that education from your father. I had as well my education that I was very privileged with the, with the education I got. But most of people don't have this. So they think that society will provide everything for them. And then, of course, they fail. So that's the biggest challenge. And I think India is a great example on this spiritual level. But like you said, there's the, the uh, disparities in terms of wealth are still massive, which is right yeah. now around the world. It's not just India. And I think the irony yeah. is that India right now is probably becoming more balanced than a lot of other countries. So from this, um, you've been trying to, well, you have been revolutionizing the entertainment industry uh, from India, yeah. from sports industry, and as well the music industry. <laughs> we have one of the biggest music, electronic music festivals in the yeah. world. So what can we do on the practical level? And I forget like now the politicians <laughs> and the governments because it's obvious that it's not working and we have to be realistic. It's not working. Okay. And then I think, but at the same time, yeah. you cannot give up. So I think, um, I think people like us have to give the example, I but think. as well have to come up with solutions. So I would like to hear that positive and probably I, I, I don't know like you know uh, Bob Marley had, ha, had the power of music he could, he could sing and uh, unite two presidents of countries who were fighting for 16 years wow just one day he got them together and said shake hands and no he sang a love song on stage I, I know that the, the currency that I want to market uh, is love and it's, an, uh, it's a very uh, uh, intangible uh, currency called love and I feel the love will win the day and like I said, everything divides, love unites. And uh, I'm, I'm on a journey to market uh, the, the aspect that you should love uh, everything. And the first thing you should love is the planet Earth, your mother Earth. If you keep abusing mother Earth, uh, mother Earth will tell you to get off the planet. And I think it originates from that ideology that uh, I was supposed to be used funny thing, you know, that you're saying it. But I took guest list for 20 countries. So in Amsterdam, if you go and Google it, I launched 2020. I wanted to go to 20 countries that needed uh, children education and do massive concerts and uh, educate children in Brazil and Mexico and Africa. I had launched that in Amsterdam in October of 2019, this uh, massive movement uh, to, uh, to unite and spread uh, the message of love and education through music. 
so I don't know. I'm I'm going to uh, uh, Mr. Supra has left us, but yeah, we're here. I think there's so, probably some connection with this. With yeah. This so I, I I believe that I want to be uh, I want to advocate what I said to you uh, about uh, humanity and Earth, and like I have a line that I've written which is uh, really motivating me every day. Earth, Earth is a reality. Earth is a reality. World is the ego of humanity. Earth is a reality. World is the ego of humanity. And I want an opportunity, and I hope the universe gives it to me, uh, to spread the message of love and somehow unite uh, powerful people who have been uh, distracted uh, to bring their focus on uh, uh, food, shelter, and education. Nobody on this planet uh, should sleep hungry. Nobody should, uh, uh, nobody should sleep without a roof. And everybody should have the right to education. This is a basic necessity of uh, Earth. And if you have not done that, we are not successful. I mean, you know, uh, everybody is going to leave this planet. But have you left this planet in a better place? Have you left Generation Next in a healthier place, in a stronger place? Have you empowered them? If you have not done that, trust me, even if you die as a trillionaire, as a billionaire, you have done nothing in your life. You're a loser. Because that's what I believe. You know what I mean? If, if I treat this planet as my home, uh, my home is so beautiful, so hygiene, so healthy. There is food in the fridge. If I can treat my home uh, so well, why can't I treat the entire earth so well? And why, I, why can't I manage the entire population of 8 billion people? It's not so complex. If we can go to different planets, we can, uh, we can, go, we can uh, invent such uh, arms and ammunitions and uh, great science. Uh, like technology, like we are today doing this uh, conversation, I, I'm sure we can invent a heart that beats for humanity and ensures that nobody sleeps without food, nobody sleeps without shelter, and everybody has a right to education. So that's my mission. I will do all it takes. And I wish I was, uh, uh, you know, really famous. I see a lot of people have picked up individual causes uh, of environment and uh, Black Lives Matter, and I, I think all, and they're all necessary Mother Earth, and, I, and my dream is to be able to do that before I die. It's a, no. it's a, it's a big ask, but I'll try. No, no, you've been, you've been showing that. I think you have projects like the, the, um, the Percept Talent Management, yeah. a lot of other initiatives. It's really impressive uh, what you've been doing. So I, I, I want to thank you. It's been an honor. Um, and uh, as a wrap-up, Think I want to. I think for people that want to know more about you, you said that you're not digital, but you are digital. You are you are using a phone, so just where people can find you because they have your book, they can buy on Amazon. Um, yeah. But where I think it's really you have as well a um, a guru part of you that I deeply admire, and that guru is very important because in the end of the day, people need guidance, and I think that part is is part of your success and your energy that is wonderful. So yeah. where people can find more about Celandra and as yeah, well learn I with you. I have been uh, reasonably disconnected, but uh, you could you could know more about my work uh, on shellandrasing.me. Uh, yeah. I've been I've been told we're putting yeah. all these lists. I, I, we're putting I, I, all these lists. <laughs> and and I have and, and I don't uh, you know uh, I don't even look at my emails, but there is somebody who looks at it 24 hours, and and I do reply every email, but I have to call the person and then dictate the message. <laughs> it's a painful <laughs> process. Uh, so I think it's shalindra at the inceptor.in uh, is my email. Shalindra at the inceptor.in. You can share my email with people because I feel that my cause now is humanity. And my cause is to connect with more people on the planet and, and do good for humanity and Mother Earth. So I'm, I'm open to my email being broadcasted by you. And if, you, if people write to me, 
I, I promise uh, I, I will reply every email because this is the phase of my life. Uh, uh, it's just not Corona. I feel uh, Corona is a brilliant opportunity. All of you watching this broadcast, thanks to our friend here, understand one thing. Nothing could unite humanity. No religion could unite us. No world leader could unite us. Not even United Nations could unite us. No God could unite us. <laughs> even a God could not unite the planet. Corona united the entire planet. Corona has equalized humanity, equalized borders of countries, equalized religion. Places of religion have been shut down because of power of Corona. That's <laughs> true. That is a very good point, yes. Imagine if Corona was love. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Why does it take a negative element, a negative fear to teach us a positive lesson? But never mind. I hope everybody watching this broadcast understand that Corona is an opportunity. It's not a curse. The previous flu killed 50 million people. We are much better off in today's time, guys. Relax. But what is Corona telling you? No borders, no caste, no religion, no color, no creed, bro. We're all one. Corona has united the entire world. So why not love? That's Enjoy. a wonderful way of, uh, of wrapping up. And it's been an honor. Namaste, as Thank you said. Um, I'm going so to promote the, 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 the interview and put all the links to what you mentioned. Thank you. And um, well, it's been really inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you all. God bless. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.